is it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. This is going to be the season finale of the interview portions of the House of Horror, and I was very thrilled to have my very first ever live podcasting experience. I just want to shout out and say thank you for everyone who tuned into the live stream. It was a ton of fun, and the main reason that it was a ton of fun was because of my guest. Of course, I had on Stephen from the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. We talk about everything from the history of witchcraft, his museum, and some of the best witch films out there. It really was a great conversation, and of course, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you have full video of our conversation, but if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other streaming site, you're just going to have to use your imagination a little bit. But yeah, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. As I said, this is the grand finale of the interviews this year, and without further ado, we're just going to get right to it. Of course, if you guys haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to my channel and turn on notifications so you know when I post new videos, and if you were to give this video a thumbs up and share it with a friend, it would be greatly appreciated. Of course, if you are listening to this on a podcast streaming app, make sure you subscribe to the show and leave me a rating and review. And of course, above all, go check out the Buckland Museum. That's what this episode is all about. And we're going to get right to it. So let's get spooky. How is it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror podcast. It is our first ever live show. And I'm a little bit nervous, I'm not going to lie, I've never done any sort of live streaming before at all, Um, but I'm going to be dealing with a real pro today who does it all of the time. Uh, I'm actually joined by my pal Steven from the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. I'm very excited to have him on the show today. Um, How are you doing today, man? I'm doing really well. Today was my day off, so I went around and did some stuff. I uh, acquired this cool poster, which was an event that happened in Cleveland in 1971. But researching it, I was really excitedly weirded out to find out that this never really happened. It got canceled before. So I oh, really? for here for a non-existing event that happened uh, back in 1971. Isn't this cool? The oh, yeah, that's awesome. Magic and witchcraft. With all the greatest magicians, fakirs, mediums, hypnotists, and illusionists from all over the world. So uh, that's what I did on my day off today. Yeah. yeah. That's, ex- that's exciting stuff. So we are in the midst of the spooky season here. Um, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, have you been doing anything uh, awesome to celebrate um, sort of the Halloween season at the museum? Uh, well, here at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic, I... And I have to say that it's spooky season all year round. You came off season, right? Yes, and, I was there in July. Yeah, you came in July. And I it was pretty spooky then as well, right? Yeah. So, um, but to really kick it up a notch, right now we have a show going on. It's called Apparitions. And it is loan, on loan from the amazing Stephen Romano. And, uh, well, let's see. I can pull up a little thing about it here. Let's see here. Manifest. There it goes. <laughs> so apparitions, specters, conjures, and um, what is it? Uh, the paranormal is uh, currently in our rotating exhibit space. And if you find yourself anywhere in the Cleveland area, I suggest that you buy a ticket and come see this thing because it's pretty amazing. There's a gentleman named Stephen Romano who lives out in New York City. And he is always loaning me some incredible tools that are just incredible stuff. And uh, 
these things are currently on display. It's uh, we have things from the 1600s to 2020 currently on our walls for this show. And uh, we're going from vernacular photos from the 1920s that show some like weird apparition kind of stuff. So thing and uh, to uh, things that were painted this year. So let's take a little scroll. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Yeah. So people are like, well, what are this stuff? Like things that you got off the internet printed? And it's like, <laughs> no, no, this is actually the real deal that we have on display here. Little Twin Peaks tribute here. I think uh, I love looking at this thing right here because I see like an entirety of like the cosmos in this painting. We have, oh, yeah. I mean, we have some William Blake over here. So like some straight up Mephistopheles stuff going on. Ninth Gates of Treachery. Um, yeah, so it's been really fun just sitting around enjoying these pieces as they, uh, you know, every day as I come in, I spend at least 20 minutes just kind of staring into the uh, mysteries. Probably my favorite piece, so like lately in the show, is Darcilio Lima, who, uh, well, Let's read the description. Brazilian artist Decilio Lima made his artist conjures against malevolent spirits to protect himself and the person who would bring his art into their homes. So uh, when you come visit the show, you're going to take a deep look at this piece here, and you're going to see like just all the incredible detail that is in this, this thing. This thing is completely bonkers. Oh, yeah. this, <laughs> This right here. So yeah, that is uh, that's what we're doing special. I'm gonna insist that if you come visit the Buckland Museum, you order tickets online, BucklandMuseum.org. We sell tickets there. And uh, yeah, what about yeah, you? What's going on? Oh, what do I got going on? Well, um, as my viewers know, um, we're obviously well in the midst of October, so I've been releasing a video every single day over on YouTube. Mm -hmm um and they're getting this special live stream as a bonus episode of course this will air on spotify and youtube and stuff later um but today i had an episode come out where i was reviewing a few films um and putting all kinds of stuff out man um a lot of really fun stuff i'm excited to have you on the show as sort of the the grand finale of the podcast um this will be um the season finale of my interviews so really excited to have you on um, and yeah, as you said, that um, it's kind of spooky season all year round. Um, and right now you're doing the apparitions um, sort of display. How long is that running for? Um, how, how long do people have to come and get in and, and to see that? It's going to go to the end of the year. Um, so uh, it's up until whenever the last day of uh, 2020 is. If uh, we all survive as a nation <laughs> and until 2020, I mean, that's kind of up or until 2021, right? It's kind of up in the air these days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so sort of speaking about like what's going on in the world. I mean, you mentioned it already, um, the COVID pandemic and all that. And you mentioned that you need to pre-order your tickets online. Uh, I actually saw your Facebook post uh, a couple hours ago, actually, people demanding to get in. So it's a really hot, hot place to be. Um, so definitely get your tickets in advance um, if you want to see um, all the cool stuff going on in the museum. 
Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's the Halloween. Is Halloween, like, a, as a witch, um, how, what does Halloween and the Halloween season mean to you? Well, I mean, this is like New Year's and everything all together. I mean, this is, this is a time of the horn god of witchcraft will rise and, uh, we go into the dark half of the year where we celebrate, like, the underworld. So, um, <laughs> what does it mean to me? It's, uh, I don't know, it's just my favorite time of year. It's beautiful outside. The weather, you know, starts changing. Uh, beautiful fall colors resonate with my soul. And, uh, you know, um, Yeah, that's uh, there's not a lot more to it than that. I mean, yeah. Christmas means to normal people. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess sort of like give us give us a journey back. Um. Because I personally want to know really how you sort of got interested in all of this stuff. Um. How what was your introduction to sort of the world of witchcraft and all of this? Hmm. I think well. Uh, you know, I was one of those kids that, uh, with classic books, I was always getting the Bigfoot and the uh, Alien and the uh, Loch Ness Monster books. So uh, that's kind of like the kind of literature that I grew up on. I was always interested in getting like encyclopedias of magic, things like that, when uh, I was a teenager at the library. At the library, my school library had some pretty cool like witchcraft books. Um, so, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I kind of filled my head with at an early age. Uh, steady diet of comic books, of course, uh, Alan Moore comics and Grant Morrison comics in the late 80s kind of uh, helped quite a bit. Uh, reading books like Robert Anton Wilson, like the Luminatus trilogy. Um, uh, let's see, listening to Psychic TV and Coil Records in my early 20s, kind of filled my head with this sort of stuff. So it's just kind of like uh, the things that I filled my head with and uh, spiritually I kind of caught up later. Yeah. Um, yeah, were you always into, I mean, I guess like, I guess I'm just assuming, like, are you into like horror films and stuff like that? Was, it, was that a part of your childhood and everything as well? Mm, I was more into like art films and straight up horror films. But, uh, you know, like, I remember watching, uh, maybe it was Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. you can be like, wow, these kind of films are fun. I think, uh, I think I read, I think I had more issues of Fangoria, actually, than I actually saw movies of for a long period of time. Just because, I mean, growing up in the 80s, uh, you didn't really all that stuff wasn't as, as accessible as one would think it would be. Um, but yeah, I always, uh, I think when Hellraiser came out, that was kind of where it really started piquing my interest. So uh, it was, uh, I was a little bit older when I caught those. Yeah. You uh, know? Yeah. I always watch In Search Of, though. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever watched it? I've heard of it, and it was a little bit before my time, um, so I haven't watched it myself. But you're all on YouTube. 
And uh, so In Search Of was pretty much my jam from when I was a little kid until like just the other day I was watching an episode about uh, the Comte of Lautremont, or no, um, who was it on? I don't know. But uh, steady diet of that sort of thing, more of like the uh, monsters in real life than just like the horror genre. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, you were really into like, um, you would always get like the Bigfoot books and stuff. Um, yeah. Are you like a believer in that kind of thing? Or because like my standpoint in, in that stuff is like, I really want to believe um, that there's Bigfoot and the Mothman and stuff like that out there. Um, what is sort of like your general viewpoint on that kind of stuff? Sort of like the biological, um, not necessarily like the spiritual um, yeah. stuff, but like sort of like the biological creatures that are out there. It depends day to day, you know, like and the world is so vast out there that, of course, there's going to be cryptozoological creatures that we've never gazed upon before. But then do I necessarily specifically think that there's a Bigfoot wandering around? Yeah, probably. It's uh, too many people have had experiences. When I was a child, I uh, caught a fleeting glimpse of a Bigfoot, which resonated with me. It was probably just somebody walking down the street with a, uh, I don't know, bear costume on. But uh, I don't know. I was pretty convinced as a kid. I used to see UFOs all the time. Mossman is probably the one that I believe in the most just because... uh, hanging out the voice of the valley festival in west virginia you can kind of feel it fluttering its wings above you so yeah i definitely feel like i have like a special connection like with the mothman especially i've been to the like the uh the mothman festival um have you ever been have you ever gone down to the mothman festival down in point pleasant i haven't been to the uh festival but i've been to the museum and uh and that's a lot of fun you know the uh the statue out there is truly out of control. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely essential to, to get a selfie with the statue when you're down there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Once the world is back to normal, you should look into getting uh, like a booth set up or something for the, uh, the festival. I would, it's just, uh, it's, it's really hard for me to leave here. You know, it's like when you run a tourist destination, people come from States away to see you and you're like, well, Sorry, I got to go someplace else. Never quite so easy. But uh, hopefully next year, we are, uh, I mean, hopefully next year things will get more back to normal and my employee can come back in more yeah. of a right kind of basis. But yeah, yeah, yeah I want to experience the Mothman Festival. Yeah. Yeah, definitely once the world gets back to normal, uh, you won't be working basically every single day now. Um, you'll have a little bit of help. So how has COVID sort of affected um, the museum going experience? Because I went during uh, this era and I actually really enjoyed the experience. I mean, there were only like six of us in there um, and you were kind of there the whole time, sort of giving your speech and stuff and walking everyone through everything. Yeah. Um, what I guess like what sort of the experience like compared to what it normally is? And is it that is it a good thing or like have you adapted to it or just What's sort of the overall vibe of the place now? Well, I would say that last year was kind of more like everyone come in. Um, So it wasn't very personal. 
um, you know, because I'd be giving a tour and then some people would wander in. I'd go, like, hey, come on in. Let me get you up to speed, blah, blah, blah. Now, with six people, everybody starts at the same time. I give the same intro. Everybody hears it. Um, nobody hears more or less than what the other person heard. And uh, now people kind of wander around at their own pace. And, uh, I mean, I think it's better. People seem to like it more this year than, uh, I mean, people liked it last year, of course. But uh, I think this is an improvement. I think if we get back to normal anytime soon, probably what I'll do is just uh, expand the amount of people that could be on a tour. But keep it as ticketed appointment because uh, it's just a better kind of thing for everyone involved. Um, uh, but last year, it's like we had 5,600 guests. And uh, this year, we've had like 25, 3,000 maybe so far. But uh, I don't know. Hey, yeah, yeah, but I mean, e even when it like opens up and it's like bigger groups, if you still keep, because I th I do enjoy the way that it was set up when I went, um, how it's like an appointment type thing, how like all right, the tour starts at three, and then you kind of everyone gets to go through it together. I thought it, I thought it really um, was an enjoyable experience. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really fun to share. It's um. I used to work at a job where I had to fill out Excel sheets all day. And I don't think I could do that ever again. You know, yeah. telling stories about witchcraft and like what we do here at the museum is uh, a little more easier on my psyche. So, hey, I noticed right behind your uh, shoulder there, uh -huh. a Halloween poster. That's from you. That's on the, the mirror. It's on. Yeah, yeah, that's from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, got it right next to, right above Dracula and by my Godzilla criterion. So, it's with my essentials, so. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, so that is one of the many types of products that you purchase here at the Buckland Museum. Yeah, so um, I actually have a little bit of a following that's outside of Ohio. I've got a very, very hardcore fan in Wisconsin, so shout out to No Star Reviews. Um, so I guess if you guys haven't heard of the Buckland Museum before, um, why don't you just kind of, because we'll get into the history and stuff in a little bit. Um, but just sort of give us a general, like, introduction, overview of uh, the museum. All right. So, uh, well, the Buckland Museum was founded in the mid-60s by our founder, Raymond Buckland, who was very famous for bringing the religion of Wicca to America. He had traveled over to the States, um, found something spiritually lacking, and he discovers a uh, writer on witchcraft named Gerald Gardner. And uh, Gerald Gardner, he starts a correspondence with, and Gardner invites him to be initiated, uh, invites Ray to be initiated into uh, the tradition of Wicca, which is uh, kind of a witchcraft religion. Ray does. He founds the first Wiccan coven in the U.S. And um, an interesting thing about Raymond Buckland is pretty much anything that Gardner did, Ray would want to do. So uh, Gardner wrote about witchcraft. Ray wrote about witchcraft. Gardner had a witchcraft museum. Uh, Ray would have a witchcraft museum. So Ray starts collecting many of the artifacts that we have here, puts them on display in his basement, just a couple shelves, and then something happens. Um, well, somebody set his car on fire. So Ray does the opposite of what I would do. I'd go work at my old job, probably. Um, 
try to get my old gig back there. But Ray is not going to have people tell him how to live. He quits his job, expands the collection, moves out of the house so people can come in off the street, ask questions. And we're very proud to continue that tradition here. We have pieces um, going back to uh, Paleolithic times to uh, more recent editions. And uh, we have things from the birth of um, modern Wicca, which is Gerald Gardner pieces. And then we would have uh, things from Raymond Buckland's original coven. We have things from elders in the craft, like, well, uh, Rosemary Buckland, Monique Wilson, uh, Selena Fox, um, Oberon Zell, uh, Tamara Von Forslund, um, Janet Farrar, uh, all these great legendary witches. Uh, we have uh, a couple oddities kind of things. We have pieces that were owned by the Beast, the Megatherion, Alistair Crowley. We have beautiful jewelry and talismans and uh, that sort of thing. And... Uh, yeah, what we're trying to do is just like share the culture of witchcraft. There's other places where you can learn like the history of witch hunts and stuff, but there's no other museum, uh, at least in the United States, that just kind of focuses on uh, witch culture. And I feel like that is uh, really what we do best. So, uh, buddy, are you out there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, I'm cool. just, awesome. yeah, just, yeah, just listening. Yeah. Um, so, for someone who, Maybe, I mean, everyone's heard of witchcraft, but maybe for those who don't know what witchcraft is actually about, um, would you be able to give us like a brief um, history and like an understanding of what witchcraft actually is? Because I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions like in the media and like films and books and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so tell us sort of like the real deal behind this stuff. You know, that's really the hardest questions anybody ever asks because it's like, <laughs> what exactly is a witch it's really hard to uh it's kind of like um there was a judge back in the 80s and they asked him what pornography was and he was like well i know it when i see it and that's kind of how i feel like with witchcraft because there's so many different kinds of witches but more than anything i see it as a uh earth-based um religion we're not necessarily Sitting there thinking about these great gods in the heavens that are controlling the way you're doing, but you're more concerned with what's going on right around you. Uh, you can have a pantheon, you can worship all sorts of gods and goddesses, but I think really the key thing is putting a goddess into uh, into what you're doing because, uh, well, and I want to say that anything that like uh, I say here is not coming from like I'm not like a pope of witchcraft or even a uh, priest of witchcraft i'm just a uh, firm believer and uh you know but to me witchcraft all kind of radiates out from the goddess the energy of the like the divine feminine energy that surrounds us all and it kind of goes from there um but there is room for god god energy like more male energy as well so it gets kind of tricky with that but uh here it's Samhain coming up we're going to go into the dark half of the year, which traditionally with uh, Wiccans is the time of the Lord of the Underworld, which is, uh, strangely enough, the god of this, like a solar deity. But that being said, I wish, what is witchcraft? Some people, it's a religion. I feel it is a religion. That's what I'm talking about there. 
But other people are talking about witchcraft is kind of a way to get through your day to day. You know, uh, we have pieces in the museum that are talismans. Uh, we have a totemic uh, mandrake root. And uh, this is a root that you would use, say, uh, well, let's see. Let's say you uh, you're, need some fertility action in your life. The mandrake root we have was carved to look like a woman bearing children. So you'd go see the cunning woman at the edge of town, the one that knows the herbs, the one that knows the root. She'd pull out her mandrake root, presto, changeo, you're impregnado. So mode it be. So, uh, I don't know. Did I give you an answer or did I not? I guess that question. Oh, no, you did, yeah, you gave me an answer. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, some of, what are some of, like, the biggest, like, misconceptions that are out there about witchcraft? Because, I mean, everyone sees it as, like, this scary, like, evil thing. Um, but in reality, like, similar to, like, voodoo and maybe stuff, like, maybe it is. But, like, similar uh, to some other things out there is actually can be, like, a very positive thing. Well, yeah. No, I see witchcraft is extremely positive. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I had a, somebody scream at my guests the other day telling them that they were Satan worshippers. And although uh, many Wiccans believe in a horned god of witchcraft, the god of the hunt traditionally, uh, they tend not to worship Satan. That's more of a Christian idea. And the whole thing where you're like, ooh, I'm worshipping Satan. Well, you know, if you believe that you're part of something that's pre-Christian, why would you even bother getting all excited about something that's really has nothing to do with your worldview. Um, so, but then, you know, shout out to all our Satanist visitors. They're always <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, but it tends not yeah. to be our thing here at the museum. So that's one of the things, um, tend not to curse people. Uh, one of the things about Wicca and witchcraft in general is, you tend to believe that anything you put forth in the universe is going to come back at you. Sometimes it's three times. Sometimes it's nine times. Sometimes it's uh, 13 times. All I know is uh, when kids come in and they're like, Mister, are you going to curse me? I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. You know, and I get cursed. Um, Pre-COVID, a lot of times I'd be like, just don't touch the displays. But, you know, I kind of <laughs> stopped doing that. Kids are old, Jeremy, little boogers, so yeah <laughs> um yeah so i mean yeah that answers my my question there um you spoke about ray buckland a little bit and how the museum got founded um and there's actually been many like iterations of the museum before it ended up in cleveland ohio um so i guess t just tell me who ray buckland was um uh, what like because you've met him obviously i mean yeah um, cause it, people hear the name Ray Buckland or like they've heard the museum and I guess sort of give us a, give us a sense of who the guy was, um, and how the museum has changed throughout the years. So this started out, uh, well, Ray, he was a writer on witchcraft. He wrote, um, uh, he wrote a number of witchcraft books back in the sixties. Um, he was, uh. I mean, he was the person that brought the tradition of Gardnerian Wicca to America. And what is Gardnerian Wicca? Well, it's a style of witchcraft that was started by a gentleman named Gerald Gardner, who actually I have a picture of right here, Gerald Gardner. In 1951, they had decriminalized witchcraft in the UK, Gardner here. He sent out a press release, kind of became the de facto spokesperson for British witches. 
Well, Ray had discovered his writings and became uh, quite a fan. And uh, Gardner kind of made him his uh, spokesperson for the U.S. Ray was initiated and uh, not only initiated, but raised to the third degree of Gardnerian Wicca, where he could form his own coven. And the majority of American Gardnerian Wiccans can trace their lineage back to Ray and uh, Rosemary, or uh, Robat and Rowan, who uh, formed what's known as the Long Island Coven, which is uh, kind of like the beginning of all of it, uh, essentially ground zero there in Long Island, where so many Gardnerians kind of like uh, come from. So uh, he was really well known for this. Whoops, we still here? Oh yeah, we're here. We're good. Okay. Sorry about that. So he um, he was well known for his uh, kind of bringing it here, but he also became a well known writer. At some point, he split off from Gardnerian Wicca and formed his own tradition. And in doing so, forming his own tradition of Wicca, he kind of laid the blueprint for other people. Uh, form their own tradition, the Wicca, which um, doesn't sound that extraordinary, but it really is because um, it's really, you know, it's like where the road kind of splits and it just keeps splitting. Now there's, I can think of at least like 16 traditions of Wicca right now, just off the top of my head that uh, kind of came after this. So Ray was a real groundbreaker with that as well. Um, also, he was just a really neat, funny guy. He was a spiritualist. And um, if you're interested in more of the paranormal side of all this sort of things, I would have to recommend a book by him called um, The uh, Complete Book of Spirit Communications, where he really goes into the history of spiritualism and uh, communicating with the dead, which uh, such a popular thing, especially around this time of year. So, yeah, and you actually have um, in the museum on display one of the original um, quote-unquote books because it's really a, a notebook um, yeah. where he wrote stuff down. What can you tell me about that one? So Ray's number one selling book of all time, the Complete Book of Witchcraft, now in its fifty-fourth printing, over half a million copies in print. But we have a notebook that was the uh, actually the original manuscript on display, and this is the one artifact in the museum that gets like gets like the emotional response from our guests here because they're just like, "Oh my gosh, that's the book that changed my life when I was 15 years old. My aunt gave it to me, etc. That sort of thing." So uh, it's kind of cool. It's got a lime green cover, and it was bought at Kmart for like buck eighty-seven. So. I call it, or I refer to it as the, uh, an example of humble origins for uh, profound things. Because do you think Ray realized he was writing a bestseller when he was driving home from Kmart that day? Who knows? But, uh, I mean, it's a book that changed so many people's lives. So, yeah. Um, so he's, he's written many books and then he founded the first museum. It was in New York, I believe you had said yeah. during founded a, a museum of witchcraft in his basement at first and um had just a couple shelves had the lofty title of uh the first museum of witchcraft in the americas and then um well uh he moves it out of his house he moves it down the street he was in brentwood then and then he moves it to bayshore long island 
which is more of a tourist town. And uh, he's there until uh, 73 and he moves it to New Hampshire. And then after a while in Wears Beach, New Hampshire, he moves it down to Virginia. At this point, his writing career really starts taking off and uh, puts it in storage. And then it shows up again here in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you sort of become the curator here? Uh, so this museum spent some time in Louisiana and the people that had it there. Um, well, uh, I really want to get too deep in the thick parts of that, but uh, the one that's now my partner in the museum, Tony Rotunda, she was, uh, she drove down to Louisiana. She picked it up and uh, put the collection in a U-Haul, took it up to uh, Columbus and stuck it in a uh, attic there. And she, she's like, oh my gosh, um, what am I going to do with this collection here? Um, she knew that it was important. She knew that she wanted to save it, but she wasn't necessarily um, too excited to actually operate a museum day to day. And, uh, well, I was working for, I still wear the hoodie, or not the, well, I have a hoodie, but I still wear this because it's very cozy this time of year. Um, so I was working for a very popular uh, Christmas uh, tourism destination here in Cleveland. And just one day I was like, oh, man, I want to do something else. So I uh, emailed Raymond Buckland, whatever happened to your collection. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call from Tony, and she's like, Heard you want to see it? Come on down to Columbus. I drive down there, and here we are a few uh, few years later. So this is my advice to anyone watching this: you get a strange idea, send that email. You never know. You know it could change your life. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you worked at um, a popular Christmas de uh, destination, as the the Christmas Story House. Um, but you were looking for something new. But sort of how how was that experience like? Um, doing that no. so you got like some experience in the museum world before opening your own so yeah i mean it was great just got kind of like um for a while you want to do your own thing um still buddies with everyone over there to me it's like one of the greatest tourist attractions in the world if you're a fan of the movie it's uh pretty phenomenal um but yeah just one day i was like so i took care of the museum over there as the curator of it so I took care of like Randy's snowsuit and like Ralphie's BB gun. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I prefer playing with Alistair Crowley's wand. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did did a little bit of research on you, and um, my fan base is also very big into wrestling. Um, and I did see a picture of you in the Miz. Oh yeah, um, that be cool. Yeah. What well, can you tell me about that uh, from what you remember? <laughs> Uh, that guy was like a superstar. He uh, he came and took over the space for a day. They were doing a thing called a business story. And uh, the thing I really remember about that guy was uh, um, really polite, you know, sweet guy. Remembered yeah. my name all day. He wasn't just like, hey, you, you know. Yeah. Just, uh, nice. yeah he's, he's a Cleveland guy. So Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Christmas Story Museum was obviously a very good experience for you. Um, I, I personally prefer prefer uh, Darren McGavin and uh, the Kolchak stuff, but still great. 
And then uh, Bob Clark, of course. you got to be a fan of his work. Oh, yeah, Black Christmas and Christmas yeah. Story, uh, two of the most prolific Christmas films ever and two different yeah. ends of the spectrum by the same guy. Um, so you've been at this current iteration for about three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I did know that you, during my tour, you had mentioned that you're actually thinking about relocating somewhere else, um, but it's sort of like up in the air, right? Yeah, if I ever find a place that's just like perfect, I'd like to find a place that would be uh, kind of its final destination. Um, Because I like it here. I just need more room. Um, You know, like I mentioned this piece earlier, and I was like, where am I going to put this thing? You know, because we're pretty much maxed out. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. you remember our magic circle? It's only like seven feet. I need a 20-foot magic circle. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, t- tell us about, um, since you brought up, tell us about, because you tell the story during the tour, um, but tell us about the magic circle and um, like how long that took to put together. And then obviously with like relocating, it's like, do I take the circle with me or do I get a new one? Or yeah. um, just tell, tell us about the circle. All right, so we have a magic circle on display. The museum was uh, painted by our buddy Jesse Bransford. Uh, Ray had one in his original museum, so we knew we had to have one here. And uh, it's really beautiful. Uh, Jesse had come in, and I thought, Jesse, how long is it going to take for you to paint this thing? Three hours. And he was like, well, try, uh, try like three hours for the next four days. And every day he got started, and he would paint a little bit of it well, for three, four hours a day. And, uh, yeah, it's extraordinarily beautiful. I married a couple in it a few weeks ago. They wanted to get married under the goat, but I was like, you know what? The poetry's better in the circle. Uh, yeah, it seems to be um, really most popular spot for people to get their photos taken in the museum because yeah. it's a protection circle. So. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, Jesse laid it down and then we started looking at other places and I'm like, what am I going to do? Carve out a hole here in the museum floor and uh, bring it with? That's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the, uh, like the, the goat head, um, it's part of the satanic sixties as you called it during that. So what are sort of the, uh, the areas of the museum? Well, we start off kind of like the ancient origins of witchcraft and magic, where we kind of explore the ideas of the horned god of witchcraft and the fertility goddess. Also things like sympathetic magic. Then we have pieces dedicated to Gerald Gardner. Then we have uh, the section dedicated to Raymond Buckland up here. He is uh, original Long Island coven. We have a section for tools of witchcraft, artifacts that belong to elders in the craft. We have a section of herbalism. And then we get to the 6660s division, which is really exploring the psychedelic explosion of the occult uh, culture onto like kind of popular media and stuff in the 60s. Uh, that's where our goat head is. Also, our uh, membership card to the Church of Satan, which was given to Ray by one of his buddies that was always like, Yeah, this is what the kids are into, man. You need some Church of Satan stuff in here. So, uh, you know, Ray was like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> we have a divination section. We have the Thelema section, which is uh, dedicated to the beast, Aleister Crowley. We have talismans and jewelry. We have tarot. And then our uh, rotating exhibit space, which is apparitions, 
on display until the end of the year. Yeah, so make sure you guys get in there. Um, obviously, we can't go through every single piece in your collection. We'd be here for uh, quite the marathon show. Um, but what are some of your favorite things in the collection? And then I have a few questions about some of the things that I saw when I was there. But what are some of your favorites? Uh, well, really, my favorite piece in the collection would be the Crescent Moon headdress that belonged to the first Wiccan high priestess in the U.S., Rosemary Buckland. And to me, that's like the spiritual center of the collection. I had mentioned the Mandrake uh, route uh, before. That is really a close second because the Mandrake route, that is like, that's the real deal. That's what people used for like uh, fertility magic. Um, we have a crystal ball that belonged to a witch named Sybil Leak. And uh, I've just always been a huge fan of her work. Since I was a little kid, I found one of her paperbacks once. Um, so having that really kind of brings me back to like my headspace when I was a child. I like the Crowley pieces, but in there I actually have a um, thing that's a little more personal to me. Because when I was about 20 years old, I used to write letters to uh, someone that was a student of Alistair Crowley. And uh, a guy named Kenneth Grant, and I was obsessed with his books. I would write him these letters, never heard back from him. But a few months after we opened, this guy, Dennis, showed up and donated a uh, letter to the collection. And that was uh, very meaningful for me. And then uh, he would always write about, Kenneth Grant would always write about a witch named Nima, or actually a ceremonial magician named uh, Nima. She showed up and donated a sketchbook to the collection. So that was very, uh, very special as well. I see we have a comment here from Emily saying, I love the pieces from the Love Witch there. I love those pieces as well. When I was in LA back in uh, February, contacted the director, Anna Biller, and she was very happy to uh, donate the props that the uh, Love Witch uses in the um, uh, in the scene from the film where she brings things to the local witch shop for a sale, which is such a cool, cool piece of uh, real nod to witchcraft culture. Because, like, here I'm sitting in our gift shop. I have a number of things on display made by local witches. So, uh, yeah, Emily, I love them too. Yeah, and didn't you say during the – they were going to give you the, um, the, rug, the rug? but Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't find it. They kept talking about it. And I was just like, yes. And they're like, did you leave it in your storage space or is it in the attic? You know, and the whole time I was just like, ah. All right. So the viewers that have never watched The Love Witch, when you do, because you have to, the movie's fantastic. Um, there's this uh, rug that was hand stitched by the director of the film. And it's the most beautiful psychedelic truly 6660s thing you're ever going to see in your life and it was um yeah it was kind of like on the table as something that you may donate to the museum but it was not found so uh yeah it's, yeah uh, and it's just like how do you lose something like that because i mean the film's not that old when i first had seen like stills from the film i had <laughs> thought it was really old it bamboozled yeah. me um it's it, a movie that you would miss somehow 
Yeah, I, somehow I admit my wife had seen it, but for some reason I just sort of missed it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I have rewatched the film. I do like the film a lot as well. I really love the aesthetic of it. I like the vibes more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't you say it was like one of the last, if not like the last, to be shot in Technicolor? I believe it was the last film to be filmed in like with Technicolor stock, which uh, gives it that really incredible hammer film uh, vibrancy that is like much needed in films today, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, all those movies that I watch now all have that like tinting going on where everything's kind of like blue or whatever a bluish green they either go for like the bluish green or like it's a gray like muted tone and it's just like where are the colors like your film can have dark subject matter at points but where's the color you know (laughs) yeah did you see mandy i have not seen mandy that's on my list um i did see color out of space though yeah um also with nick cage so (laughs) also have a nice pop to it but uh I, Mandy to me is like the movie of this decade. It's uh, I could watch Mandy over and over again. Only in the theater though. It's uh, it's not really like a film that uh, I think I'd sit around and watch at my house. It's uh, I'm more of a uh, I like to get immersed in everything. So yeah, hopefully we have movie theaters again someday. Yeah. Have you been? Because I've been a big student of the drive-in the past few months um have you been going to the drive-in at all i've been wanting to i just haven't had the opportunity to there was a there's a couple things i wanted to see and i completely missed so it's uh i'm sure next year you know yeah (laughs) um well i guess while we're on this little tangent about films what are some of the best um we mentioned the love witch but what are some of the best like witch films out there Simon, King of the Witches. I really love that one. Um, I did a thing on my live stream where I talked to a guy named Gary Parsons about his like top 13 witch films. And uh, the list was pretty incredible. So let's see. Um, I know Simon, King of the Witches was on there, and I would agree with that. Of course, the Vavitch was uh, entertaining. Um I didn't really think that rabbit was that creepy, though. I'm not a big Hocus Pocus fan. A lot of ways I see Hocus Pocus having, like, attempted to destroy witchcraft in general. Uh, Bewitched, the TV show, always worth a watch. I see myself a bit as a uh, Dr. Bombay character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we have? Um, as far as witchcraft films, are you um, a fan of the craft? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the craft gets some slack, you know, or some flack, but I say give the craft some slack. I don't know. It's uh, the rituals were right. I mean, obviously written by somebody that had some understanding of witchcraft. Um, it, it's a fun movie to watch. You know, I mean, isn't that really what the real test of anything is? If you enjoy watching it, right? And, uh, I mean, what about you? Are you a fan of the craft? Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched it for the first time this year again with my wife right after we watched The Love Witch. It was like a few days after. That's another one that was sort of on the list for a while. Yeah. Um, and I had had it on VHS, and I've sort of been trying to get through, like, my VHS collection. 
So mm-hmm. it just sort of worked out. Um, yeah, it's weird because I really have like my VHS. Like I try to get mostly like old school stuff. Like I'm a fan of getting like Karloff films and like Lugosi stuff on VHS. And then I just happen to have the craft. Um, yeah. So it was great. Um, have you ever heard of the film called it's called Coven? It's not Coven. It's Coven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? An American story? American, uh, American movie. movie. Yeah, Mark Borchardt. Because Coven sounds like Oven Man, and it just it just doesn't work. Coven, <laughs> Coven. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that in about twenty years, but that movie's amazing. It's, yeah. Uh, or I don't know if I've actually seen the movie Coven. Um, but I just saw the American movie though. Yeah, that's one of the um, the crown jewels of my VHS collection. Um, I have one of the original prints that he was like trying to sell to like make his feature, like one of the first like three thousand tapes. Um, at least I hope it's real. <laughs> but yeah, so fun um, stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So let's uh, let let's get back into the museum stuff. We talked about some of your favorite pieces. Um, but there's some that I wanted to sort of ask you about, get a little background on. Um, you had mentioned that you had just, um, I don't know if you had just got it, but you were talking about the, uh, the HR Geiger piece. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's that? What's all that about? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. So yeah, the, uh, we have a piece on display. It's, uh, called the guardian angel and it was, uh, let's see, it was, uh, created by somebody named H.R. Uh, Giger, who uh, many of you may know as the designer of the Alien Monster. Truly beautiful piece. It came up for sale in February. Very expensive. So I call my wife, Jillian. I ask her if I could buy it. She's like, Stephen, your museum is doing awesome. Nothing's going to slow you down. Nothing. And that was February. Showed up three days after we were in lockdown for the coronavirus. So I'm ecstatic to be able to share it with you now. It's called the Guardian Angel. Not to get too personal, but in the beginning of the uh, pandemic, there March, um, it's kind of a little bit of a nervous wreck. Uh, my business was closed. What's going to happen in the world? I, one of my friends, Sean, was on a ventilator, and I was just like, "What the hell is going to happen with the world?" I pull out of the box, and it kind of radiated its guardian energy all over me. So. Uh, very excited to share it with you now. It's uh, uh, called the Guardian Angel. It's absolutely beautiful. It's. Uh, I wish there was a picture of it I could show you. Yeah, well, they'll just have to come into the museum and see it themselves. Yeah. So get your tickets now. Yeah. Um, there was also, I don't know if you mentioned this during the tour or not, um, but there was actually like a, a demon that's like sealed from like a ritual. Um, what, what can you tell me about that? that artifact <laughs> pretty much my least favorite piece in the collection <laughs> it was given to me by ray um ray and tony tony and i um and julian we went to see ray and his uh one of his last public appearances he was doing spin, uh stand-up comedy in uh, millersburg ohio deep in the heart of uh amish country and uh after his hilarious set he came out and was like steven uh uh, yeah, this is your problem now. And <laughs> October, uh, it was gathered by Ray 
Um, one of his friends called him up, was like, hey, man, come over, hang out, drink beer, watch the game. So Ray went over to this guy's place, and then uh, everything spirals out of control. His friend was like, yeah, I conjured something, and I can't get rid of it. Help. And Ray was like, hmm, not my demon, not my problem. And this whole thing ensues. And then the next thing you know, uh, well, uh, Ray has to help him, like, capture a thing. It's just like, it's just this weird thing. Because uh, it really is bad vibes only. And uh, people always want me to open the box. Like, no. <laughs> There's like no chance. This is silly, you know? Like, but I know how these movies end. You know, you watch these movies all the time, yeah. right? Right, you know? yeah. Not a good thing. So uh, Kelly here, she's asking, what is the scariest movie you have ever watched? You go first, buddy. Um, it's, it's a hard question for me because, I mean, I'm sort of numb to everything at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't I guess, like, I guess I'll keep it, like, modern. I guess, like, in the modern films that I've seen, probably the scariest one is probably Hereditary. Yeah. Um, out of like the modern stuff. Um, I don't know. I just think that real life right now is much scarier than anything in a film. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Ringu may be the movie that weirded me out the most. Yeah. Um, the Japanese version of the ring. Um, right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'm more a fan of Juon than I am a Ringu. Um, yeah. I always thought Juon was the scarier film. I've, I talked about this on other shows before. Um, my fans would know. But I've always found the concept of a little boy scarier than a little girl. I don't know why that is to me. Um, but yeah. Um, I did watch The Boy on Netflix the other day. And I got a little creeped out because the boy looked a lot like Jared Kushner. And that was oh, yeah. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more terrifying than the real thing, though. Yeah, it's all true. Have you seen the uh, the boy? I've not seen the boy. No, uh, it's pretty terrible. But yeah. <laughs> that's what I figured. You know, uh, I mean, it was exactly how you want it, expected it to play out. But yeah, um, another. Um, I guess while we're talking about the boy um, and like some of these like films and stuff, um, there's always like these creepy doll movies and stuff. And I noticed in your collection sort of crammed into this corner away from everything. It's like this little Muppet, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't brought up during the tour, and I was going to ask about it um, then, but I didn't. So I'm asking about it now. Uh, what's going on with that Muppet? Oh, that's Harry. Yeah, you guys are on a first-name basis. <laughs> Harry was uh, Ray, Raymond Buckland. He was a showman at heart, and he would pull Harry out during his uh, live performances at uh, his Amish country uh, hotel uh, restaurant gigs. And, you know, he'd do, like, classic, like, ventriloquism, like, jokes, like, who's the dummy dummy? So that's just Harry. He comes out every once in a while. Um, sometimes when I do, like, tours, kids and stuff like that, they're like, you know, that's what they want to hear about. <laughs> they're like, yeah, what's that? You don't um, want to talk about the team in the box? And they're like, no, we want to talk about that cool doll. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, there's nothing nothing spooky behind it. It's just it's just mm-hmm. Harry. <laughs> yeah. Um and I don't did we mention the the robe yet in our conversation? Did we talk about the original so. robe? But we have Ray's uh, ritual robe on display and it's uh purple. And uh so my employee Kara, she asked Ray about it. She was just like, Why is it purple? And Ray was like, Because that's my favorite color. So that's, that's really it. Some people give all sorts of like, they want all sorts of explanations like, oh, it's the color of royalty and it's the color of the dead and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, sure. Also Ray's favorite color. So. Yeah. Sometimes the most profound answers are also the simplest ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so as I said, we can't go into every single item in the exhibit because we want people to go and visit the the museum, of course. Um, you said the 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 rotating exhibit is going on until the end of the year. Um, yeah. Do you have do you have any sneak peeks of what people can look forward to in twenty twenty one, or has is that not figured out yet? It's not figured out yet. Um, we're still kind of uh, trying to decide how we want to do it. The um, the person who uh, loan me these pieces we have some ideas for some other shows uh there's some artists that i really want to have in here there were some artists that we're going to have major shows for this year uh but the thing is is we want everybody you know we want them available for the public so um it's kind of maybe towards the end of the uh year we're going to uh kind of explore that um think uh contemporary witch artists so that's uh you know yeah so another big appeal of coming into the museum um is your gift shop um obviously we talked about my poster that we got over there um there's also shirts and mugs and all kinds of stuff what are some of the things that people can look forward to at the gift shop Get a uh, glow-in-the-dark Buckland Museum of Witchcraft t-shirt. This is always very popular. People love it. Um, it's uh, It can be startling because you'll forget that it glows in the dark. And uh, let's see. There you go. Set the ambiance, yeah. Let's see here. Try and make it pop. But, yeah, so that's a popular thing. Um, t-shirts. We sell a lot of crystals, a lot of tarot cards, kind of things that you would expect in a metaphysical shop. We don't have a lot of ritual tools and supplies because I just don't really have the space for it. Unfortunately, our gift shop is, uh, you know, it's the space that we kind of work with. One of the many reasons why I'd love to expand because I'd love our gift shop to be the size of the, well, the museum that we have right now, honestly. I think, uh, um, I don't know. You have a building that's about three thousand square feet, and you're in the Cleveland area. Want to sell it? Give me a call. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, um, and you actually, at the time of this recording, you guys actually just dropped a new long sleeve, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just uh, put in for uh, put in my order, the pre-orders. So uh, thanks to everybody out there that pre-ordered one of these. It helps. Um, it is a. Uh, Long sleeve T-shirt featuring a drawing by my friend Aaron Wang of uh, Raymond Buckland, looking very like debonair and exciting. Um, 
we've never had Ray featured on a t-shirt before. And uh, we had to uh, make that right because people are always be like, why is there a uh, lady on here? That's not Ray. I'm like, well, no, that's not Ray. You're right. And now Ray's on a shirt. So, yeah. And where can people, um, where can people pre-order the shirts? And because you have an online store, um, yeah. so where can people um, find all this stuff online? Right there. Visit BucklandMuseum.org for more information. Google works because we are the only witchcraft museum in Cleveland, at least so far. Um, so, you know, just Google Buckland Museum, or uh, Witchcraft Museum Cleveland will come up. Hell, just Google Witchcraft Museum, and I mean, we sh should rank pretty good for that as well. Uh, yeah, find our Instagram. I'm probably most active on there as far as social media goes. Uh, Facebook, of course, etc. Um yeah, where can people where can people find you on Instagram and Facebook? Either just look up Buckland Museum or yeah, we'll you'll find us pretty easily that way. Uh, Buckland Museum is like the handle for Instagram, and I think the uh, Facebook is uh, facebook.com forward slash Witch Museum. So yeah, um, are there any sort of um, because I because you don't have everything on the. Uh, the online store there's like some like in-store exclusives and stuff that you have to stop in yeah the majority of stuff that we have is in-store exclusive because uh it's, honestly it's really just me that operates the business <laughs> and uh i'm exhausted <laughs> you know it's like i i mean i'll put things on the website but it's kind of like uh, um almost an afterthought so if you, uh, um, if sometimes I'll post things on our Instagram or our Facebook and people won't see them on the site, and they'll email me or text me, etc. And of course I'll take your money and send it to you. But, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially is telling the story of the collections of the people that are here. All the online stuff is just a little bit, uh, yeah um so yeah get your get your tickets now to the museum yeah um they're selling out quick no it's um, uh pretty much every saturday gets sold out and it becomes kind of drama filled because people drive from states away and they're like what do you mean that i had to buy a ticket online and i'm like yeah sorry um i would love for you to be able to come in but uh i can't and it becomes like very tense quickly. So yeah, just buy your ticket online, bucklandmuseum.org. Uh, we have a few slots left for uh, Halloween evening, I believe, um, which, you know, that's a wonderful time to come visit us. But you know, when else is great to come visit us? The middle of February, you know, it's, uh, I mean, come on, let's just be spooky all year, guys. It's, uh, you know, Halloween day itself is for the tourists. You know, you are an occult lifer. You yeah. come in in February. Yeah. Anytime it's hallow as a typo negative says every day is Halloween. So Yeah. Um a typo yeah. negative I thought it was ministry. But yeah. I mean I I'm sure it's been said many times many places including by us. So 
but who was first? I mean, we may never know the mystery. Um, but yeah, so get your tickets now to the museum. Um, yeah. Do you have any, because um, I know you were at the Haunted Garage sale, you were at the event at the Foundry. Are you having any appearances um, outside of the museum coming up? Not that I know of. Um, of course, last minute things come up, but uh, the weather has changed. Everything's dreary. Nobody wants to be outside anymore. Nobody wants to be inside in large events anymore either. So I think that's probably it for the rest of the year. Um, you may catch me driving around my hearse. I've been driving that around the last few weeks. So that's kind of my outdoor events is uh, driving around my 91 Buick. Um, Broadmaster hearse. But as far as uh, the real deal, nothing planned. What about you? Uh, no, nothing. I mean, I don't really do events or anything. I might I might go to some stuff, but uh, yeah. I've never... This, this yeah, is my first ever live podcast. Maybe someday I'll do another live show at an event or something, but yeah. Well, but are you planning on going to any events anytime soon? Are there any um, I know there's another like Halloween yard sale uh, coming up um, before the end of the month. I might be going to that. Um, I'm not sure exactly when or where that is, but yeah, looking forward to it. Halloween is my favorite time of the year, obviously. Um, I'm spooky all year, but Halloween, there's a little bit extra thrown in. Yeah. Um, so I guess sort of as we wind down here, you mentioned at the top of the show, um, people working witchcraft into their daily lives. Um, so I guess just like how... How can people work in witchcraft into their daily lives? And um, yeah. Uh, I kind of have a feeling that any kind of suggestions that I have will really create like OCD nuts. You know, like people out there that are just like, oh my gosh, I didn't knock three times. But I think my personal experience is a way to like bring witchcraft into your everyday life. Start looking at all the synchronicities that you're around. Not saying that synchronicities are the universe telling you anything, but if the universe is trying to tell you something, it would probably th be through things like that. Me, I'm an old William S. Burroughs fan, so I always look for the number 2023. 20, How's that showing up? Should it go the other way? It's correct. Three showing up. So, There's 23 there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always look for the number 23. The Jim Carrey movie kind of like made that mainstream. But uh, um, I say keep your eyes open for synchronicities. If things start popping up over and over again, it's usually the universe trying to tell you something. So that uh, keep a dream journal because... Uh, I feel like that is the best way to like understand the uh, kind of like uh, your personal symbol set. And once you have your personal symbol set down, the rest of it's really easy. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, I want to I want to just say thank you again for coming in and doing this with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I Seriously, sincere invitation to everyone at Buddy's House of Horror. You're all guests of Buddy here, so you could be a guest of mine. I bet you guys are all rad. Please, come visit us sometime. Try to uh, give you my best song and dance about what we have going on here at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. 
Awesome. So yeah, thank once again, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I'm starting off. Thank you for everyone who stuck around with us. Thank you guys for listening and watching. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you check out everything that Steven has going on down at the Buckland Museum. And take care and stay spooky, everyone.